All right, going live. And here we go. I'm place you right here so you can get out of the way. Hopefully you guys can hear me on the podcast. And here we go. Wow, episode 87. There you go. I had to think about that for a moment. Hello to all of you on YouTube. Thank you for joining me here on the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday, our 87th episode, back-to-back, non-stop. And for those of you listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening to me and my friends as we experience a wonderful life together. And, oh, here we go, Eric, Okie Bites, good seeing you, edwinmichael.com, cool name, by the way. Hey, X, good seeing you, brother. For those of you who don't know Breed XO, him and I gone to things a long time ago, gone to a lot of trouble racing on the streets, but bad, bad, bad things to do. Sam from Rothfab, I was going to call you Sam, I haven't spoken to you in a while, hope all is well. Howdy, Chino, good seeing you as well. Columbia's in the house. A frequent buyer as well. Carlos, thank you so much. Appreciate that. S2OO Pilot, good afternoon. And we are in Southern California, the land of shaky ground and of lots of heat. <laughs> so it should be really, really good today. Hello, Dip and Deep, good seeing you. Sam, good seeing you again. Hello, Zaid, good afternoon. Thank you so much, Datsun Fever, says there's no better way to spend his lunch than to listen to little old me. I appreciate that. D-Ling, all the way from Belgium. Good seeing you. Wagon Mike. Hello, Wagoneer brother. Hope all is well. I have my wagon right here behind me, as you can see. Some good variety here. Right next to me is this crazy Viper that we have. And here's a 912 that we're working on, which you guys may not be able to see on, on Instagram. But that is the 935X. Um, There's an LC500 Lexus back there and the wagon. So I'm surrounded by a lot of variety, which they say is the spice of life. What did I miss here? Um, what is my nationality? Stop ask. 240. I am Nigerian. I'm from West Africa, Nigeria, to the exact coastal West Africa. You know? Um, Wanna beak starts. Wow, he just hit the ground running, saying, Hey, back with a D16Z6 trouble question from Latavia. Turn down timing, but seems like Spark is blowing out or something over 6K. Yes, I do have a vice. So, Wanna beak, hopefully, you're using a Spark plug that has a very fine tip. Hopefully you're not using a large uh, electrode like uh, copper or anything like that. If you're using iridium or platinum, I prefer NGK iridiums, you want to close your gap. Okay, so with a D16, what I've noticed is that anytime you put a decent amount of boost north of, let's say, 13, 14 PSI, the ignition system, even if you run direct column plug, just blows out. So you have to close the gap to keep that spark energy going so that you don't extinguish your spark. So... Close your gap down. If you're going to hover in the 500, 600 range, close it down to about 19, okay? If you're going to hover in the 400 range, you can close it down to about um, 0.023. But if you can go higher than that, 0.019, I've even gone as tight as 0.016 on the high, high boost application. So that's what you need to do to get that going. Excellent question indeed. Can I buy some weed as E28 old school? Not for me. You can buy it, I guess, at many dispensaries in California or Colorado, or wherever you may be, but um, I don't partake in that activity. I don't smoke. I've never put a cigarette to my mouth in my entire life. I barely drink. Um, I'm kind of a boring guy when it comes to those uh, luxuries of life. <laughs> so I, I don't have any of that, sir. The Hotbox channel, good seeing you. Thanks so much. Hola, Dejayo. Um, Rothfab, oh, you messed up, Sam, by telling me you're getting ready to close out the projects. I should be able to take some more. Ooh, you're going to wish you didn't say that, Sam. <laughs> yes, it's a slant nose. I don't, let me see if I can turn around for you guys to see. That's it. There's a slant nose right there. Absolutely. The Hotbox channel. So maybe you can see that now, which is pretty cool. Raphael, good seeing you as well. 
Ah, yellow AP1 is on lunch too. AMG'd up, cool name, good seeing you, sir. Ah, what's new is what Fox Design is asking. For those of you who see the wagon, you see that thing that right there in the uh, rearview mirror? It's like a little wagon parking permit. That's courtesy of Fox Design. He does a really, cre really creative guy. Um, a lot's been going on. Last week, I did a very exciting filming um, in Button Willow with the center seat and also the Odyssey, which is pretty exciting. So lots of filming recently. Um, something else that's new is that LC500 back there, courtesy of Lexus. They provided for us to get, some, uh, to get some insight from us on how it is, how we like it. Very impressive car. I will have more data after Thursday. Hint, hint, hint. Um, Oh, Hedy, stop it. Asking about what a pink Porsche. Sure, why not? Why not indeed? Uh, go hunt a popcorn. Amen. <laughs> Gap them. Yep, that's the case. Ah, oh, Indonesia is in the house. Ilman, thank you so much for joining me all the way from Indonesia. Good seeing you. Um, Aki Juicing is asking, I'm wondering, have you ever had a chance to drive a Bugatti or even like them? I love Bugattis. I love technology behind it. It's a French company. They've done a lot. I mean, the layout, the turbos, the power, the exotic look of the car is absolutely beautiful to the eye. Um, if you remember, I did a Tech Tuesday at a museum that's way out in Oxnard, and it had a bunch of vintage Bugattis there that's very interesting and, and, and very amazing collection. And I was surprised about the history that Bugatti had in racing, something you don't hear about a lot. You hear about Bugatti, you think of speed, you think of luxury, but you don't think of a racing heritage, but they have a pretty strong one. So since I don't have a very strong relationship with Bugatti, I have not driven one yet. Um, in, in reference to my 4th July picks, says Fox Design, how exactly does anti-lag work and why does it cause huge backfires? I assume it's safe for the engine. Great question. So here's what happens, Fox Design and brethren. Anti-lag, as the name implies, allows you to run a larger turbo and experience less lag and many times eliminate it completely. And how does it do that? You know inside your engine when you combust, you have the compression that happens and four-stroke engine and you ignite it, well, that explosion you see in the exhaust on my 4th of July videos is what happens in your engine constantly, even in your stock cars that you drove today. So how do we get those flames to leave the combustion chamber and emit themselves in the tailpipe? Very easily. As a tuner, I retard timing, meaning I retard the event of spark to happen much later on when the exhaust valves are open. And then I appropriately have a same amount, decent amount of fuel in the exhaust pipe, so that retardation of ignition coupled with fuel ignites the elements of combustion in the turbine. Hence, you see the flames. And by doing that, by exploding exhaust and creating exploding fuel and creating exhaust in the, in the turbine and turbo, creates an environment where you have a lot of expansion of air in the turbine, allowing the turbo to spool very quickly, since, of course, the turbine is directly called to the compressor wheel. So, hence, you get, get to be able to spool the engine very quickly or spool the turbo very quickly and create a lot of power at rest or in motion, hence rolling anti-lag. The result of that, you see flames of combustion coming out the exhaust, which happens violently inside the turbine itself. Now, is it safe for the engine? It's hard on engines. As you can imagine, your combustion was meant to occur inside the combustion chamber. When you take it outside the combustion chamber, it's hard on exhaust valves, so it's very good to have inkling exhaust valves if you can do that a lot. It's hard on turbos because turbos weren't designed to be combusted inside, so the bearings tend to take a beating. So I do it sparingly, but if you have a great turbo sponsorship, have, knock yourself out. But it's something that you want to do sparingly and not all the time. So I don't sit on it for very extended periods of time. 
Now that is very different from what you may see with flamethrowers that some people put in exhaust systems. That's like a, a fuel source, sometimes propane and a spark plug to show flames continuously, like a Fast and Furious style. But that's a little bit different from what we do. Anti-lag is literally to prevent lag in the turbo if you want to have explosive launch with a lot oversized turbo. Or if you're in rolling and you want to do a very nice explosive rolling launch, you can do that as well with the proper engine management. Hello Pearl, good seeing you. When do you start with airplane tuning? S2O, I would love that. Um, I've always been fascinated by aviation. As a matter of fact, as a child, you know how many of us grow up and we say, or we're growing up and we say, we want to be a teacher or we want to be a doctor. Well, I want to be a pilot growing up. Obviously, that didn't work out. So I have this affinity for everything uh, aviation-based. So I have a couple more big projects I'm, I'm focusing on in automotive. When I eclipse that, I guarantee you I'll stop playing with planes. I promise you. You're the best, Shamara says. Thank you so much, Shamara. Hello, Carlos. Good afternoon. Oh, R35 said he likes the 935 Porsche. It's amazing. Thank you so much. This is going to be even more amazing at SEMA. So for those of you who are going to be visiting SEMA this year, please go to the Dynapack booth. You will see this car in all its glory. Absolutely amazing. It's owned by Rod Chung. It's going to be an awesome project there, you know? Um, AMG says, I want to hear about R18 2014 Civic sedan. Just ECU tune. I know it's CVT, but a few more ponies would be nice. Extra two, 10 horsepower wouldn't hurt it. It wouldn't. That would be actually okay for that. And I believe that our friends from K-Tuner have a flash for you. Um, unfortunately, my dyno does not allow for CVT tuning because I need a constant gear ratio to be able to use my roller, not my roller, but my hub dyno, which uses a fixed gear ratio to be able to determine power. So I cannot tune it. I can flash it for you with, let's say, some canned flashes, but I do not have the capability of properly tuning yours. You need something like an inertia dyno to be able to do that, you know? Um, Carlos says, I love, uh, uh, Carlos loves my builds. It's amazing. Thank you so much. I derive so much pleasure in creating great projects, but I can tell you one thing. Without my team's support, I am nothing. These projects wouldn't come to light if it weren't for, you know, Duran and Sam and, and Albert and Hedy and, and, uh, and Lindsay and, you know, the, the entire team that helps us, Marvin, uh, it's just Aaron, Andy, we just, we're a great team here. Without them, I'm nothing. It's a team effort. So I appreciate all of them, my entire team very much. Appreciate that, you know? Um, wannabe EK said his internet is lagging while I answered it. He's using an NGK copper here range 8 gapped to 4.022 uh, inch But why uh, try iridium? Yes, you want to try iridium and if you're if you're Because um, you know the bad thing about the copper is it has a big post for the electrode and that big post for electrode Believe it or not shields the kernel from forming of spark in the spark plug So if you look at a microscope or even the naked eye you're able to look down and ignite it You see that there's a lot of shielding there's a lot of impeding of, of, of that kernel formation by the large copper electrode. Plus, copper is a very soft metal and tends to eradicate very easily. While iridium is very hard, platinum is very hard, so I love iridiums. And you want to try that, it has a smaller electrode, hence when the kernel forms, it has a lot more mass to be able to ignite fuel around it. So that being said, you get a better burn, a better spark energy being utilized when you use an iridium plug. I love it. Um, Think about going calls on E85 in place of the Airmatic. That would be pretty cool because that Airmatic can be very troublesome. But that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad at all. Uh, did you put I, the past F-Series project? Carlos, I don't quite understand this question. Please ask me again. Wintermaster is saying, thanks for the PR hookup. My pleasure. I love these guys. So this is 
you know, now is the race season. Oh my God, I got my car, I got so dirty here. Oh my God, I got some dirt on my trousers. But anyway, this is pure braking oil. And now is the race season started for a lot of us. This is why I used to brake in my engines. People ask me, BC, what the hell? How do you get your engines so reliable? They keep spinning bearings, so on and so forth. Braking oil, I don't use regular mineral that's over the, over the counter because it doesn't have the zinc to protect my valve train. Especially when I run a lot of E85. I mean, right behind me, that runs on E85. This will run on flex fuel, both E85 and 91. Um, the Odyssey right there runs on E85. Um, the Porsche right there runs on E85. These other Porsche that runs on E85, I run methanol on the inside. So I need to protect my engine no matter what. Whether it's 91, E85, or methanol, and I need protection properly. So I'm here to help. Um, you know, it kind of hurts me when I talk about these sponsorships because I love selling the oil and making money with it. But I really want to help everyone else like they help me. So I'm here to help, just like I'm spending time with you this hour to talk to you about technology and all good stuff. So that being said, I'm here to help, but thank you for the kind words. That means a lot to me, Winter Lamasta. What do you think about the new wide body charger? I think it's awesome. The one thing about chargers I don't like is that they're very heavy. <laughs> so if you can combine the lightweight of maybe a base model V6 charger and the power that you may see with a Hellcat, that would be pretty good. We saw one recently at a couple events we went to that Hedy and I went to, and Hedy actually raced it with the NSX. I should probably put that video up and spanked it, which is pretty interesting. I think I did put that video up. But um, I love it. I love technology. It looks really cool. But the weight, I wish the weight could come down. Maybe a full carbon body, wide body Hellcat would be awesome, wouldn't that? Or Charger would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know? A8082 says, hi there, BC. Absolutely love my builds and work all the way in South Africa. Good seeing you. Am I building a new CTR yet? No, the only CTR I have is uh, three Hot Wheels, a blue, red, and silver. But no, um, I don't know, since it's an older vehicle now, I don't think I'll be building one crazy unless there's a big refresh that comes our way and they'll definitely make it happen. Hello, the 911 page, I must thank you. I really, really appreciate, I really appreciate all the love you give me, 911 page, thank you so much. Exotruck says, you really run 19 get plug gaps? Yes, I do. In cars, in the wagon here, I have 19 in it right now because my potential, I mean, I'm at 33 PSI, but I will push the 41 to get the full power once I get everything sorted out with the drivetrain. The Odyssey definitely have 41 PSI. I do run, I think, even 18 on that one. The 2012 Civic Si, I run 19 on that. Um, it's just a good way of um, being able to almost cheat with a spark system that's not up to par for the kind of pressures and RPMs that we see. Uh, it does a good job in putting um, misfire at bay, if that makes sense. MJ Photograph, hello neighbor, good seeing you. Thank you so much for the backdrop as the 935X is here, the Beast Metal Waggle Van. And back there, a 2019 Lexus LC500, which is awesome. A whopping 471 horsepower with like nice 399 foot-pounds of torque with different comfort, eco, and sport, sport plus modes. Freaking beast. Really nice. Anyway, TSA says, I love BC. Thank you so much. I love you too. Appreciate the kind words. My pleasure, Paul. Good seeing you. Winter Lamasters asking, turbofan wheel covers, 50% looks and 50% functionality. Are they much more effective? I would say function over form. Now, think about it. Those turbofans are... They're pretty, forgive me dealing, but they actually take away from the look of the car. They're kind of ugly if you really first look at them. But boy, are they functional. They're cool because they're functional. And they're functional because they're cool. How, how great is that? So when it comes to the turbofans, what it does 
it allows you to evacuate air from underneath the car. It can cool brakes if you have disc brakes that need cooling. And in case of what I'm doing here is what Honda did with British Touring, I'm using it to create downforce by putting air. And when you, if, you, if any of you go to see me at the track next time, look closely at those wheels. You'll see that there are streams. You can literally see dirt and moisture in straight lines on the wheel. That's actually the turbo fans working, pulling air from underneath the car. So dealing, I don't know if you know this, Steve, but we love you because your stuff not only looks good, but it works well. So I appreciate that. Now, how will it do at excessive speed? We will find out soon. I'm going to put that thing to the test very, very soon. You know? Ilma says the Porsche in the background is the most insane Porsche I've ever seen. Yes, and it's going to get even more insane. Expect this year to see some madness from BCMoto. Hola, PTY. Good seeing you. When I think about the new wide body, which wide body? Oh, wide body charger. Yeah, we just talked about that, Alex. We just did. I like it. Antilago two-step. Well, it depends. What I do when I set up cars, Kevin, that's a great question, is I do two-step, and what two-step does, you know, I talked about anti-lag and what it does, where you retard timing and add appropriate fuel to really spool up the turbo. And you can also do a rev limit so you don't exceed that or get to a certain boost level that's actually detrimental to your engine or your turbo or both. Two-step is where you just extinguish spark every other revolution. So, you know, let's say, for example, your firing order on your inline four is one, three, four, two. Imagine firing now one, four, two, three. One, four, two, three. That is something that's not natural for your engine. The engine won't rev up nicely, so it'll stay there. So extinguishing spark every other revolution keeps it at a set RPM. And you can initiate that based upon your software, being your tuning software, at any RPM you deem appropriate. Now, the, per the reason for two-step is to allow you to comfortably set a rev limit to launch the car so you don't bog or spin. If I bog on a turbo car, guess what? I need to raise it up, and if I get to a point where it's not just enough for the weight of the car, I then anti-lag to be able to get me to get out the hole very nicely in drag racing. Um, it also intimidates people very nicely. NA, yes, you play around definitely with RPMs. Now, I've done something on my inside, which is very interesting. That's why it sounds really weird when I launch. I also retard timing, almost like a semi-anti-lag on NA setup, to kill power out the hole. Because unlike boost, where I can't do boost per gear, my car is pretty much, how should I say, a set art power throughout the linear power band. So if I want to kill power out the hole to allow me to hook up with larger slicks, whether it's 26s or 28-inch slicks, I retard timing and it gives that whole feel of anti-lag. So at night, you see my car like shooting flames on an NA setup. It's pretty cool. Anyway, hello Miami. Stay Miami at Miami at a nation. There you go. I always mess up your name. So sorry, Josh. Good seeing you. What's your kid's favorite car? Let's see. My son loves the NSX. Oh my God, he, he, he's in love with the second gen NSX. And I don't blame him, it's beautiful. It's chock full of great technology, absolutely gorgeous and very rare. You don't see them on the road at all. And when you see Hedy and I running out with two of them, pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, when it comes to my daughter, she loves the Odyssey, the red car. It's almost a, I would say it's almost a tie between the Odyssey, which you guys on YouTube can't see, and obviously my podcasting fans can't see, but the Odyssey is right over there, you see with the hood open. And the Viper right here. So she likes both of those very nicely, very much. It's pretty cool. Um, Pirate Auto says I'm something like a pilot. Yes, I am. It's, thank you so much for the kind words, Daron. Not in a Datsun, though. I'm giving, I'm giving him a hard time with Datsuns. Can you use aviation fuel on cars? R35, R13, yes, you can. Aviation fuel, gas, whatever you may call it, um, is a combustible fuel, so you can. Many times it contains tons of lead. Many times it's not even ideal. Sometimes... People tend to opt for jet fuel, which is kerosene. 
So the caloric content of kerosene is not very high. So sometimes you can go slower with jet fuel than you would with gasoline. Um, and depending on your tune, avgas may actually make you slower, make less power than normal. Ideally, you want to be able to run on the fuel that your car was tuned with, which is pretty nice. What's up, BC? Says Backyard of Arming. Well, any Porsche core motors laying around for customer builds? I have quite a few. Let's say um, one, two, three, four, five. I have five M96 engines and one 3.0 air-cooled, and that's you should probably go through because I haven't started. I don't know if it runs well. And one that runs very well. So I have one that's very good and one that probably should be rebuilt or you can take a chance to see if it runs or not. You know? Uh, so I can help if you need some. Yes, amen. Thank you so much, sir. Which 935 is that? This is the 935 Kramer K2. So the giveaway is the wing back there, which is very Porsche-esque. And you see the aperture, the single large aperture on the side. That's another giveaway as well. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic K2 body. Um, I love K3s, which is way more aggressive. So you may see the crazy Jägermeister one that's orange that you may see a lot of photos around online. That is a K3. And the K4 is like the Moby Dick with the long tail that tapers down. And those look really, really aggressive. I need to build one of those one of these days. That would be so awesome, you know? G-Series Turbo. What turbo do you recommend? Now, do you mean G-Series as the guys who put H-Series heads on F-Series bottom ends? Or do you mean G-Series as in a Nissan engine? Please let me know what you mean by that. And then I can recommend a turbo based upon your horsepower requirements. What's your opinion on the D16Z6 or ZC? Um, I love D16 engines. I honed my teeth on smaller displacement D-series engines. I made my mark on them. I think they're very underrated. I think they have tons of opportunity for power. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have designed components that power the most amazing D-series on the planet. Whether you're NA, no one's ever made power with a D-series more than us on this planet. When it comes to turbocharging, there's not one high horsepower turbocharged one that doesn't have our components on it. So you don't have to reinvent the wheels, go on bcmall.com, you see a ton of products there. If you need advice, my team will be more than happy to help you out, you know? Kiron is saying, my mom is taking me to SEMA for the first time. You are gonna love it, Kiron. It's an amazing event. And I should have five, if not six cars on display there. So please look up what we have going on. So far, it looks like we'll have a, one or two cars in Hyundai's booth. We'll have a car in uh, Dynapack. We'll have one in AEM. And then we'll have one um, in uh, NGK. And Hot Wheels has a, like a big gathering there for their um, uh, tour. We should have a card there as well, which is pretty exciting, you know. My pleasure, AMG'd up. Uh, sounds good. No problem. Oh, yes, I look forward to seeing the supercars in the sea. You know, so many, that same day, so many events are coming up. I'm trying my best to stay focused to come to your event. But people are trying to pull me away to other events that morning, even the night before, out of state. So let me see what I can do to stay there, you know. G-Series Turbo, F-Block, H22 head, your rods, 86 millimeter. what petrol do you recommend for planning on changing the turbo? You have to let me know, Carlos, what, how, how much horsepower you plan on making. Because if you just want to make 250, you can get, get away with a T25. But if you want to make 1,000 horsepower, well, I wouldn't suggest, my rods, the VZMO rods have been tested at 800 uh, wheel horsepower. So if you're going to max the engine out, you may want to go with a precision 64 millimeter or turbo next 64, and that can get you there with a little help a boost without giving you significant lag. And of course you want something in the T4 range in terms of a turbine to get that thing to breathe. It's a big engine. Uh, let's see. Oh, you guys are asking some great questions here. 
What's better, a supercharger or a turbo? How much time do we have? We're 23 minutes in. It depends. So, let's use an example of an S2000. S2000 is a very popular setup from Honda, rear-wheel drive, FR setup. The best shifter I've ever shifted in manually. It's just an amazing vehicle. Now, turbochargers work extremely well because you have the capability with a turbocharger to vary boost based upon RPM, vary boost based upon vehicle speed, vary boost based upon that. You, you have this modular setup where you can have varying horsepower depending on your setup. It's very expandable. The challenge in the S2000 is that turbochargers can create a lot of heat. So you have to do things like a lot of uh, battery relocation or some heat shielding all around the engine bay and so on and so forth. Or you may offer a supercharger which gives you no lag so you merely have out the hole, you have no lag whatsoever, it's linear, it's like a, it mimics a large naturally aspirated engine. But you don't have the flexibility to an extent. You can play around with a blow-off valve as a way to control your boost, but you don't have the flexibility you tend to have with a turbocharger. Plus, with a supercharger, you're using parasitic losses, you're experiencing parasitic losses because your supercharger is directly cogged to your crankshaft. What does that mean? You need your crankshaft to turn the supercharger, so it takes energy to do that. Do you know that a supercharger can sometimes consume as much as 80 wheel horsepower and just turning it in an inline four at high boost? So it takes a lot of energy. While in turbocharging, you're using gases that are spent already. You're using wasted heat, wasted exhaust, wasted sound. You're using all this energy to turn the turbine to help pressurize your engine. And turbos look pretty cool, don't they? So it depends. If you love the feel of an NA setup, and you want something that's very linear, supercharger is the way to go. But if you want a modular power where you can expand at leisure and have a really cool look, and you can address some of the heat that could be generated by the turbo system itself, turbo is the way to go. I don't have one supercharged car in here. Everything in here is boosted when it comes to force induction. Any chance to visit Indonesia to see Indonesian car culture? Elman, it's so funny you say that. John, who's like a father to me, he's a proprietor at Banana Bay which is a very, very popular 626 restaurant, in Thai restaurant, he's been telling me this forever, and I will go. I need to go. I heard that the call culture in Indonesia is out of control, especially when it comes to the GK market. So that being said, yes, I promise you, within the next half decade, I will set foot in Indonesia, and I'll make sure that you and many people know about it. So thank you so much. Menace Motor Wars, good seeing you. Thank you so much for joining us. My, my, my pleasure indeed. Um, Let's see. Hello from Holland. Do I have any good ideas for a first fun car? First, yes, I do. Manual. Happy Tuesday, AJ, brother. Good seeing you as well. Yes, manual transmission is one way to do fun. You have a lot of fun. Um, if you love challenges, you can go front-wheel drive. If you love to go super fast, you can go all-wheel drive. And if you love to drift and, <laughs> and slide when road racing, rear-wheel drive is a good way to go, too. So it depends on your needs and what you like to accomplish, you know? Uh, what about a two-frame chassis with a nice car-style body? That'd be dope. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this is my second question about the wide-body charger. Yes, Alex, I did talk about that. I do find it quite appealing. Just wish it was a little bit lighter. Uh, I know, right? Kevin's here talking about McLaren prices. Amen. You know? Um, I'm interested in turbocharging my, my G22. I have your rods, a 6 millimeter cousin turbo. I'm looking for 600 horsepower. So for 600 horsepower, you can do 600 horsepower with decent spool. Um, if you want to push, push, push the turbo, you can get it with a 58 millimeter billet. If you want to do it comfortably, you can do a 62-62. So Turbinex has a 61-62. Precision has a 62-62. Either one of those can get you to 600 horsepower comfortably. And the spool won't be so bad. You have the option at that 600 horsepower level to do like a T3, 
um, either a V-band or four bolt, and you can hover in the higher ARs, let's say 0.96 AR thereabout. Um, if you go in T4, you can probably get away with a point, a 0.64 would be too small, maybe 0.82 with a T4 footprint you can get away with. Uh, but definitely, yeah, you can definitely do that with a 62 millimeter minute turbo. And my choice is either precision or turbinetics, you know? Um, Winter Labas is saying, BC, you're knowledgeable about the Porsche platforms. Thoughts on the first gen Cayenne V8 or V8 turbo? By all means, V8 turbo. The turbo V8 and the Cayenne turbo and turbo S and GTS are amazing. We had one as a family car. Um, it was a 2004 and that thing was awesome. It had the luxury and speed that you needed. I mean, when you flash that thing, if you come here and get a flash, that thing puts another 80 horses out. It is sick. So if I had a choice, the Turbo V8 is very nice. And luckily, a lot of people don't tend to beat them up. What I notice is that when I compare a lot of standard NA V8s coming here versus the Turbo V8s, the NA V8s seem to go through a lot more wear and tear. I don't know, maybe the owners abuse them, maybe because they're a little bit cheaper and people get them kind of just don't care. Um, but the V8 Turbos seem to be really, really nice and robust. The one thing I noticed with the Turbo V8 and the V6, and the V6 as well, and even the NAV8 is the fact that um, after some miles, when you get towards the 80, 90,000 mile mark, you have to change some of the plastic tubing underneath that is for the cooling system, and then you'll be good to go. But any dealer or independent can take care of that for you. That's reputable. Um, doesn't 291 Octane make you want to cry? Not really. <laughs> I had a, uh, I'll put that up. I had a S2K coming yesterday, supercharged, and he made. 407 horsepower to the wheel on 91. It's not bad at all. Of course, we can get away with a lot more if we do E85. It allows you to make more power, put in more timing in it, and it's much cooler, so it allows for a denser intake mixture. We see anywhere from 3 to 8% improvement in power when switching over to E85, especially in boost applications. Work for all, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your kind word. All the way in Mexico, good seeing you. Alfie, good seeing you as well. Thoughts on turbo at 79, 911.0 SC. I think it's awesome, Emerson. I love boosting 3.0s. As a matter of fact, uh, my Ninja Turtle was a twin turbo on a 3.0. You can easily, you know what's great about 3.0s? Those are workhorses, and they're fairly cost-effective nowadays, especially when you compare it to the 3.6, 9.6.4, and 993 engines. Um, the one thing I need to address, um, if you're gonna go more than 350 wheel, or hover around the 400s, is to at least add a minimum change of rod bolts, if you can, because the rods are pretty robust, but those Porsche factory rod bolts suck. So we always upgrade them to like the ARP ones. Um, the pistons are okay, but if you start pushing more, you wanna up, definitely upgrade them to like Trom pistons or whatnot. But here's one thing you must address, and I must tell you this, Emerson, it's very important, engine management. You have to use a proper system to tune. Please stay away from all the CIS stuff, go with a full sequential. If you need help with a harness and ECU, we can help you with that. You wanna have good triggers because when you start introducing boosts, you want to make sure that your tune is on point because it didn't take much to make the piston. And of course, like myself, I'm sure you want to enjoy your project. So by all means, that's the way to go. If you need a 3.0 engine, I have a couple here. I have one that's in excellent shape and I have another one that I've never even run. I just bought this car as a roller and hopefully the engine is good, but I have that as well if you need one, you know? Twin turbo to LC500. The engine base pretty tight. Mr. Perez is going to be a lot. <laughs> Plus that car belongs to Lexus. I don't think it'll let me inside tearing it apart, but it'll be cool because it is a V8. Um, it's going to be really cool. No offense taken, dealing says. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate the kind words. Oh, I'm, I'm missing so many great questions. Okay. MGM is asking, when is the Civic going to kill everyone on the fastest car as soon as season three comes up? So right now, I know people give me grief. I know it, guys. I know. I appreciate all the 
kind words and, and uh, how should I say, um, judgments. <laughs> but the reason why I'm going to the uh, races with street tires is to optimize this setup on street tires so that we can have a good time on the season three of fastest car. Now, of course, I've been kind of breaking things and shattering things in terms of the drive line. Um, I've been spinning tires like crazy. As you guys saw the video I put up recently, where I was racing that Mustang, and once it cut out in fourth gear, it just went out and had fun. Um, I'm uh, Kevin, I'll have to need your help, of course, soon um, to be able to put in a final drive that's different as well, because I have a numerically high final drive in here. I have a 4.7 final drive. And I'm running out of gear very quickly, so I need to go to, I had no idea I could accelerate that quickly with this car, so I'm going to a 3.8, which is the other way really, 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 really aggressive, but it's good. Ideas for initial engine mods for R35 Mini Cooper S. Yes, intake, header, exhaust. That's the first step that you can do and gain some nice cool power without going to the engine. Then a flash could help significantly as well, you know? Um, should I swap the engine for my Clio sedan? Ooh, Clio's cool. With a 4GC3 or F20C? You know I'm going to say F20C. That engine is amazing. You don't have to even port the head. We have cars running around with like 600 horsepower. Stock engine with boost. Those things are workhorses. By all means, you have fun, you know? You will have slicks in the back this time, right? No, I'm not going to cheat like some other people. No, I'm going to stay legit. I'm a, I'm a rules person, you know? And plus, I guarantee you, the day I put slicks, they'll come down on me. You know what's weird? I don't talk about this enough, but... When we were filming that season one of Fastest Car, which season two just wrapped up, it takes a while for them to produce it. Um, or to like, you know, do all the editing and so on and so forth. What I don't talk about is the fact that they sent, and hey, do you remember this? They sent agents here two or three times to make sure our van was legit. They kept coming to check our tires and our fuel. I'm like, who's complaining and keeps sending people here? But then when we got to the track, two cars had like slicks on them. That's weird. Anyway. What's my favorite Porsche engine? Hmm. I would say, <laughs> please don't kill me. I would say the 996 twin turbo out of the GT2. I like the engine. It's Metzger, it's a workhorse. The cam control is not very intrusive. The turbos aren't variable vein. It's a pretty straightforward, good one, you know? Um, Slick down and fully prepped. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Hey, BC, what do you think of Rotrek Supercharger or Z6 with a water meth? I think it's awesome. I think it's a good thing. It allows you to, especially if you put the water methanol um, as a way of cooling and also allowing for increased boost without any challenges or detriments with reliability. I'm a huge advocate of that. But if your environment allows you, um, you can gain more if you go with flex fuel. If your environment allows you, if you have an area that has some E85, and you have an engine management solution that allows you to do that, like a Series 2 AEM or Infinity AEM, you know? What wing is on a Wago van? Very easy question, Derek. Thank you so much, and I'll give you a proper answer. That is an EF mid-wing. Very popular in the 90s. Who's yours on Mickey Thompson's? You guys, Hedy, stop it. Centrifugal, supercharger versus turbo. Why? How about combining two of them, Alfie? That'd be great. Um, I mentioned that earlier on. A little bit about that. Oh, no, I, we can't cheat. No, no, Kevin, I'm not going to cheat, no. <laughs> yeah, I see the water meth um, intercooler capability. Um, you know what? You know the intercooler no matter what. No offense, why people complain the van loss? There's a van against super sports cars. It held up pretty well. Thank you so much. Well, 
Yeah, people complain because, you know, people are very passionate about the van uh, dealing. Um, they really are. And with the power, it made more power than all cars on set, but it also was disadvantaged for two things, which this, this car actually solves. It is 5,000 pounds, much heavier, and it was front-wheel drive. So people really rooted for the underdog, which is us. Um, if this was a rolling start, it would have been totally different because that thing is a beast in high speeds. But the fact it was a standing start and I just had regular street tires, it was not very appealing. But this car wouldn't exist if that van did well. So I'm actually glad that the van lost, and I took it very um, eloquently. I took that loss with great stride. I'm not used to losing in racing, but this will solve that. Now I have all-wheel drive, a car that's half the weight, this is like 2,600 pounds opposed to 51, and has the same power potential, not as much torque, but same power potential as the Odyssey. So that's pretty good. Yeah, 5,000 pounds, pretty, she's a big girl. I'm shocked that that lift, that max jack even lifts it. So right now, the, it's on the lift, because I need to change, my tires are shot on that thing. After filming at the road race track, I need to pull tires off, but that lift lifts it up, no problem. We built that van on that lift. How crazy is that, you know? DM Motorsports, ah, I know Mickey Thompson, but you know, I'm a big Toyo guy. They have drag radios too, you know. Toyo has some good drag radios, you know. How do I feel about the SR20 engine? I think it's a very potent engine that has some decent aftermarket support, but tons of potential that people haven't explored. People have not explored really good camshafts for that engine yet, and a lot of people haven't paid attention to large oversized throttle bodies for that to allow for even more NA power. And then if you think of the black top and boosting, especially DETs, People need to push the envelope on that Nissan engine. But I don't have a relationship with Nissan, so I can't do it. Maybe one day when I do, I will explore it and make a ton of power on that engine. But it has a lot of potential, you know? What car is that red one in the back? Art, you missed it earlier, but this is a 935 K2 owned by Rod Chung. He was instrumental to the founding of Speed Hunters. He also worked for Project Car and Rubber Race but did a lot of stuff for EA. And we are building that for him, doing all the technology stuff for SEMA. Um, how are you gonna do a line lock with all-wheel drive? Well, really can't, Kevin. Um, if I stay with a system that is the factory CRV, it allows me to spin the front a little bit before the rear locks up, so I can do that. It'd be hard on the clutches. Um, I can just do a quick dry hop, or I can be old school, hardcore, like uh, Ken Block, and put a chain to my back bumper and burn out. Anyway. No, I haven't played with the Ford Barrow Motor AMG'd up. Thank you so much, Fox Design. Um, do you think I get a big power off of 4AGZE? I possibly maybe can, but I haven't studied that engine. You know, the key to making power is in the head. So, and when I say the head, it's not just the ports, but the valve train makes a big difference. You can have a big port head, and the valve train is rubbish, or you can have a very good valve train, and the ports are really small. So, if we can do something crazy with a D16Z6, or A6, I don't see why the 4AGZE wouldn't be a good candidate. It's just that, guys, honestly, I don't have a relationship with Toyota. I wish I did, and if I did, like we did years ago, we can have a lot of fun. Uh, how do I feel about the N54? Tons of potential, I think it's awesome, and very popular for modification. I get so many N54 questions about tuning. I'm gonna take a class next month on just focusing on BMWs and being able to hack, not hack, but get access to the ECU and do fun stuff with it. So hang tight. After late August, I should have all the equipment I need to tune those to our heart content, including Burble. Yes, you can backfire at Liberty after you come here and leave. Thank you so much, ill-minded Sane. Appreciate the kind words, saying that I'm knowledgeable and he learns every time I speak. Appreciate that, you know? 
What's the benefit of a ProCharger? ProCharger is a supercharger um, that actually is a brand of supercharger. And these guys use pretty large housings to create lots of power. And they're very popular in the drag racing circles. So you know how you have Vortec and you, know, you have um, uh, Eaton and you have ProCharger um, and then you have um, Paxton. These are all different brands. So um, their superchargers are pretty, pretty hardcore. A lot of gear-driven setups where they don't even use, sometimes they use cog belts, sometimes they use gears directly cogged to the engine. But a lot of drag guys swear by that stuff. Kevin and I were just talking about it yesterday when he was here. You know? Oh, that's so funny, Kevin. Yes, she wore red light. <laughs> but she's getting better at light. She actually got better at lights than me last time we went out when we took the NSXs out. So Hedy drove the black, um, the red NSX, I drove the black one, and she was cutting lights better than me. How cool is that? What do you think of the Taurus show? It's so weird. I was just talking to uh, Jay Leno about that last week. The Taurus show was a cool engine. I knew they had a relationship with Yamaha to design the head in particular. And uh, Jay Leno has a car called a Shogun, which is an old Fiesta with the Taurus show engine shoved into the rear. It was awesome. So I, I love those. There's a guy who used to race. Xavier, if you're still here, remember this. Remember Omad Smithers? He used to race a Taurus show at a drag strip. Never came out of the car. And he, would spank, he had a white Taurus show. That thing was fast. So it was really great, you know. Uh, EJ255, great engine. Tons of potential, but many tuners don't explore it, you know. Yeah, DM Motorsports says, oh, Jesse from Virginia, good seeing you. Thank you so much. DM Motorsports says that he sees a Lexus. Yes, that's um, a brand new 2019 LC500. Awesome car. Very, you know, I expected it to be more sporty. It is sporty, don't get me wrong, but it's very touring-like. It's very luxurious. Um, heated seats, cooling seats, or ventilated seats, I should say. Um, it has a very intuitive control and, and haptic functions with, with the controller for the, for the dash, and the interior is pretty nice. Now, not much of a back seat if I sit in the front. It's more of a 2 plus 2, but the thing, it's a looker. And it's about $98,000 as it sits right now, which is pretty cool, you know? Thank you, Kondui. Appreciate that. Yeah, she's a, she's a bit big, yes. Um, can you tell us a bit about the MR2 I posted yesterday? Sure, Peter Thor Western. So I have, thanks to Albert, who's right up front, I am an owner, a proud owner of an AW11. First year, it's red, just like the photo, and it's my goal to make it a lot of fun. So my goal was to build that this year for SEMA, but a project came into my life that had me push that to next year. So what I put up was a render. It was actually where someone infused the center seat that Sam and the team helped with, um, the twin turbos of that, into the MR2 to give a look. Now, initially, I was going to go with a single turbo setup. Hello, Will. Welcome back. I think you're back from racing. Hope you did well. Uh, I was going to go with a single turbo, but after looking at how that looks with twin turbo, I guess renders are really cool. I may end up doing that for next year. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be really, really cool. Hello, Skyline Media. Hello, White House. Ronnie Bravo. Good seeing you as well. Time is flying. Can you believe we're 43 minutes in? How crazy is that? You know? Um, imagine a Pontiac builds a modern Trans Am with crazy horsepower numbers. That'd be great. Almost like a good competitor for like the Hellcat or, or Demon, right? That'd be so dope, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, look at what's happening in America nowadays. Trucks and SUVs rule. So now manufacturers are pulling away from very sporty vehicles to more SUVs and trucks. It's where the money is. So you can't blame manufacturers like Ford for pulling back. You can't blame manufacturers like Chevy for pulling back. That coming to light, us enthusiasts, we may love it, but guess what? I don't know if it's going to come to fruition because people just love their trucks and SUVs, even though they never off-road, which is crazy, you know? 
What model would I use for AW1? 11, as Alfie CT Racer X. I can't tell you, Alfie. I want to make a surprise. You know how I like to shock people. As a matter of fact, the Porsche we're building this year, people are going to freak out. And the Porsche I'm building next year, people are going to freak out. And then in MR2, when I'm done, people are going to freak out too, you know? Would you ever do anything with an SHO? I would love to, especially if we rekindle our relationship with Ford. I just picked up a Ford Mustang today from the dealership. Interesting, huh? I know. Alfie, I'll tell you in private, how's that? But that may change, especially based upon what I learned yesterday. Thank you so much, GTI Sensei, who says he loves our builds. Appreciate that indeed, you know. Because Americans are getting fat, maybe. I don't know why. It's just appeal. And you know what? Even, even in, in, in crazy urban areas where people tend to be on the svelter side, people love SUVs. It's, it's crazy. It's really crazy, you know. I hope Honda will start building the Type S or Dive. Tell you what, I will find out tomorrow if that's a rumor or if it's coming to fruition because I'm going to Honda tomorrow. So I'll let you know. Um, Motorsports said, let's not get ahead of this without telling us what's in that Photoshop MR2. Did you just miss it, Motorsports Detailing? Did you just come on? We just talked about that a few minutes ago. Better yet, that was a Photoshopped version of my rear boxman, which is twin turbo flat six boxster, um, which came in roof, carbon fiber roof, that was really Photoshopped into the rear of my AW11. I have a red AW11 as well. It's pretty cool. Cayman GT4, awesome. That is what a Cayman should have been from the go. 911 power with all the shortcomings of the previous gen GT4 addressed with suspension, handling. It's amazing. I love it. I love the GT4. I love it. I love it indeed, you know. Whatever build a car with rotary engine? If yes, how many rotors? Okay, Alex, great question. I would. I love the guys from Mazda. We're talking about what we can do to work together closely. And if I did end up penning an agreement with Mazda, you can count on me in doing a four-rotor. I love the sound. And the fact that that engine was even outlawed in some racing sanctioning bodies makes it even more appealing to me. So think of this, a BC motor built, four-rotor, peripheral port setup. How dope would that be? How crazy would that be, you know? Um, how much does your wagon cost, how it sits right now? Wow, with the components I chose, I'm pretty crazy. You know, first of all, did you see what wagons are going for now on the internet? Do you see what they're going for now on OfferUp and Craigslist? Four or five grand for a bone stock wagon. So let's take the cost of the car out of the equation. This car easily, easily hovering the 50, 50,000 range, easily. From everything from engine management to wiring to head to block to gearbox. Gearbox alone is like 11 grand. Just a gearbox alone, $11,000 gearbox, which is going to add another 1,000 because I'm changing gears. So call it a $12,000 gearbox. How's that? You know? Where did the minivan go? Very good question, Nick. I'll show you and the whole family. It's right there. See it? Right there behind the forklift. That's the minivan. The minivan is right there. So it's right here in my office. Uh, I know, right? That's crazy, Alex. I know. I'm crazy. Four-rotor peripheral. Dope. Maybe if I want to be nice, I'll do a bridge port, but peripheral. How long did it take you to complete your engineering degree? Four and a half years. Here in the U.S. I did one year in Nigeria, but when I came here, I, I'm one of those weird guys, and Hedy knows this, my good friends know this as well. Um, I'm one of those weird guys that kind of did a lot of things young. So I, I was in university at 16. I skipped a bunch of grades because I did very well in school, and I was... I was like 15 years old when I got admission to university, attended that, came to America when I was 16. And when I came here after one year of university in Nigeria, they didn't accept my engineering curriculum, so I had to start afresh. So when I came here, it took me four and a half years, and I was done. 
Are you in Canada or USA right now? I in in the US of A. I'm in Ontario, California. California, yes, the shaky ground capital of the world right now. We had a, three tremors in the past week. One was pretty aggressive, and the other two were a little soft. But yeah, what's going on with the Lexus LC500 behind me? Says vapes. Lexus then is here to give my feedback on it to see how I like it. Um, they send me cars all the time. I do this with manufacturers a lot. Uh, they send cars to us for us to evaluate and see how we like it and see if we have any suggestions on how to make it better. So I'll have this car for a week. I'm going to send it on Thursday, see how she does, and give you guys some good feedback and see how, how great it is, you know? Um, maybe you told others, but when did you start building the minivan? Well, the Odyssey, uh, I don't think you're talking about this wagon van, but the Odyssey, we built that in 2013 for American Honda for the SEMA booth, 2013 SEMA booth, and it took us seven weeks to build that from a stock dark cherry red or burgundy minivan to the behemoth you see today. Seven painstaking weeks to make that happen. It was a lot of work, and I wouldn't want to do that again. It was really, really tough, you know? Um, if I had to pick one car, what car would you pick out of your cars? Of all my cars, I have to pick one vehicle. Wow. One track vehicle, red center seat. One fun vehicle of all the cars with creature comforts. Dang, would it be this Viper right here next to me? <laughs> because it has AC and power steering and it's cool. The van is awesome, but it's not, ah, oh, this is not very good on gas either. The van is, ah, oh, it could be the Odyssey. Maybe the Odyssey, just maybe. I think it'd be a van. The blue Porsche is great, Alfie, but when it's hot, I have no AC. And then you have, since I convert to water cooled, you have some some of the heat from the radiator coming into with you. And Haiti hates that. It's, oh, it feels good in December. In December, or when we're doing that New Year's run with uh, a bunch of the you know, PCA and POC club guys, um, all the way up to Palmdale, Lancaster, and back, and it's snowing in parts of Palmdale. And it's awesome. You love the heat. It feels so good, but. This past weekend, when we drove to um, uh, the Porsche Experience Center and then to the burn yard at Irwindale with Onigans, man, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> it was pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty. Yeah, Vi Viper is dope. The Viper is fast, has creature comforts, it's unique. Um, it's a really fun car. It's so sad it's discontinued. It's manual, it's an American supercar. It's really awesome, you know? So this is asking, is this going on YouTube as well? Yes, it is. It will go on YouTube um, the next couple of days. And if you do ha have access to podcasting, whether it's on Anchor or Spotify or um, uh, Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can listen to this literally in minutes after we're done. In about 15 minutes, it'll be up there. And you can listen to it as you're driving or on the loo or washing your car or working in the gym. Pretty cool. Pinging on top fuel dragsters, amazing. I love those things. I love the fact you can't even dyno them. <laughs> it's great. They make so much power. Violent, nitromethane. Have you ever been to a, a drag race where they were running vintage and current day top fuel dragsters? It, it, it like rearranges your internals. It's crazy. I can't imagine what the drivers experience. And I hear most of them almost black out when they launch. I think it's awesome, you know? What would your wife call a forever car for her? Um, we don't have that yet. I know she wouldn't want a Model X, even though I thought that would be ideal for her. But um, I would say, you know what? You know what's crazy? Probably the NSX. I BS you not. She loves that car. 
She loves the NSA. And here you can chip in. Um, Barbados is in the house. You said earlier you'd get into tuning N54 soon. How about the earlier MS5X engines? Well, the demands I'm getting is for the newer engines where we can flash through the ECU. Um, that may be my focus for now. If the demands come to go to earlier ones, I definitely have no objection. But I've had earlier BMW years come here on AEM EMSs, on Haltechs, and we've tuned them. But for the factory ECUs and factory systems, I don't have any plans in the short future to do that, you know? Um, I live 10 minutes from your shop. Can I come and take pictures with my Nikon D5200? You could, but we have to arrange that because we have some secret stuff right here that no one is supposed to see. So we have to plan that currently. You have to call a friend and set it up with uh, a good, 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 good lock and key person, Lindsay. She'll make sure that you can get in, you know? Babe said, yeah, she looks like she loves the lunch control. Yeah, she loves that stuff. She loves it, you know? Hetty may be a worse speed demon than I, DA Motorsports, because, um, you know, everyone says, Beast, damn, you have so many Porsches. I have, like, five boxes here. Let's see how many 911s. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There are eleven 911s here, and it's because of Hetty. She's the one, she's, she kicks me out of the house and says, go, I found one in Apple Valley, go pick it up. I'm like, oh my God, it's Thanksgiving. Go pick it up. Fine, I have to go pick up this roller in Apple Valley or this Porsche with an expired engine or one that has a beat up interior or one that has been left outside in the field for like three decades, you know? Yeah, I know, she doesn't leave it, yeah, I know. While I put my NSX on quiet mode, Hedy leaves the racetrack in track mode. How crazy is that? You know, I know there's a, there's a ruby stone red one right here and I'm the one lagging on getting together. Actually, it's Deron and I lagging getting that together. I think she hit up Sam too, like, Sam, help with it. And Sam's gonna kill me because I need to probably redo that. I kinda wanna go water methanol on that. Not water methanol, um, liquid air in a cooler on that. And then move the radiators again from the rear to the front. I kinda wanna do that. Sam's gonna kill me. Anyway. Deyoa, good seeing you. I know, it's funny, right? It's funny, funny, funny indeed. Oh my God, time is flying. We have a few more minutes before we go. Yeah, you may have to come handle it. You may, you, you just, yeah, you, yeah, we may have to. Oh, Sam's still here. Oh my God, Sam. I know, Hedy's going to kill me. We do, we do. I, I need to dedicate, honestly, an in, uninterrupted one week. Rod Emory Jr., yeah, I think so, she is. E85 100 octane, how about both? Or better yet, if I had to choose between the two, E85, because if you think about the same amount of air burned, E85 will create more heat, hence more power. And I'm talking about non-oxygenated 100 octane. Now, if you have access to very highly oxygenated, it may be the case. The one thing is that with the E85, you will, since you demand a lot more fuel, since you have to run 30 to 40% more fuel, you will need more pump and more injector. So if you had the limits of your pump injector, you may get away with 100. But by all means, if I had to choose non-oxygenated, 100 versus 85, 85 is my choice, you know, you know. Thank you, Nick. Nick says I know my ish. Appreciate that for the kind words, you know. What do you think about the new MR2 rumors going electric? I think it's awesome. So Mickey, the mechanic, I know our time is up. I'm getting this crazy red beacon right here telling me time is up. But nonetheless, I know, I feel, and I believe, and I'm going to prove to you guys as well, electric motors are the future, either in combination with gasoline engines like what the NSX has or the, or the uh, uh, um, LaFerrari has or the, or the P1 
or even the 918 where there's a combination of electric and gasoline. Where there's something that uh, the guys from Karma do where they're using the gasoline engine as a generator to keep the electric motors going. Or whether there's a plug-in, full plug-in like what you see with the uh, uh, Teslas. That is the future and there are benefits to that. The NSX shows that and even Heady Racing shows that you can launch on electric, get a crazy 60 foot, even on street tires, do 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds on a worst case 3.0 on the rubbish tires you can do 3.1 and still have the sound of a gasoline engine. You can have that or, you know what, Nick says build a Tesla. Oh, I'm going to do something crazy. Stay tuned. I'm going to do something crazy than building a Tesla. Just watch, you know. Um, my reaction when I heard the Supers back, it was a, I was excited. And when I saw the combination between them and BMW, I didn't know what to think. But as I got to look closer to the car and get a better understanding of the sheer economics, it made sense, you know. And I would be the Supra if we had an opportunity to work with Toyota again, by all means. I would. So, guys, based upon that, hello, TD. Good seeing you. I have to fly. I appreciate all of you joining me today on this Tech Tuesday. This 87th episode was awesome, and I appreciate that. And thank you for joining me on YouTube for those of you and on a podcast. This will go up very soon. I'll have it here on Instagram for another 24 hours. Please, by all means, Nick, let's talk about that next week. But in the meantime, take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.